Anyway, it's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Paul, for those of you that don't know me, and I know most of your faces, so it's wonderful to see you again and to be with you. It is a privilege to be here to share the word with you this morning, and you know, I have to admit that I'm excited for the season ahead. I'm excited for the season that God has the church on. I don't know about you, but there's, uh, there's an expectancy in me that God wants to do some significant things over this next while with us. I don't believe it's going to be an easy time. I'm quite sure it's going to come with its challenges and hardships. We know that Jesus said that in this world, that we will have troubles. He didn't say it was going to be easy. But he said, fear not, because I have overcome the world. How many of you are thankful that you get to do life with Jesus? All right. There's a few of you. Wonderful. Good. Well, hopefully there'll be more of you by the time we're done here this morning. You know, I have to say that for me, I've been excited about this season because I want to see God manifest more of his presence in my life. You know, we sing about the kingdom of God and Jesus told, how to, told us how to pray. And he said, you know, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I have this urgency in my heart that God wants to bring his kingdom in our lives to then work through our lives. And over this last few weeks, we've had some ministry time with Ken Grenfell here, teaching us on the anointing and the presence of God and the kingdom of God and how he wants to work through us. And last week we had Andy ministering and he ministered on the, the spiritual, gifts, spiritual gifts in Corinthians. And he's just really emphasizing this thing of how God wants to work through us. That he wants to bring his kingdom through us and he's given us gifts to put them to use to extend his kingdom. We know that God has given us access and authority in his kingdom and that's a powerful position to be in. I have to admit that since being a young believer and looking at the word, the kingdom of God and the power that we read about has always been something that has fascinated me and got me excited when I look at the word. But there's always been this thing in me, and I don't know about you guys, where I want to know and see and experience the full glory and majesty of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I read the word, I want to see that. I'm excited for that. I want more of that. I want to experience not just the increasing measure, but at some point in my lifetime, the fullness of his glory and majesty. I want to experience a time where there is no sickness and disease. And you know, when we look at scripture... The word tells us that the only time that comes is when Jesus returns. And friends, Jesus is returning. And if we want to experience the fullness of this kingdom, it's going to come at the return of Jesus. And this is where I want to go this morning. I want to look at the second coming of Jesus because one day Jesus is going to return for his bride. He's going to return for you and I. And it's in that moment where we will experience the fullness of this kingdom. So we're going to look at the return of the king and the kingdom this morning. We're preaching out of the Luke series. We're back into Luke over this time. And I seem to always pick the harder passages when I look at the scripture. But I couldn't help but avoid this. I just have such an urgency, guys, to be reminded that Jesus is coming back. I feel like often we just kind of put it off. 
that, oh yeah, he's eventually coming, but there's an urgency that Jesus is going to return. I can't tell you when. If I did, it would be heresy, but he's still coming back. He's coming back. So I want to look at Luke 17. We're going to pick up and read through the scripture here. Luke 17, 20, it says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is. Or, or there, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here, do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so the Son of Man so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the floods came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. Or likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. All right, we're going to have some fun today. Everybody ready to look at this? All right, so when we, when we think about the kingdom of God and we look at scripture, I want to first say that there is a lot of passages that talk about the kingdom of God and that talk about the return of Jesus. This is just one of them. This is not exhaustive. This is going to be some facets that we're going to talk about this morning. But there is a lot here, but we do not have all day. So we're going to focus on this passage. So first, when we look at this, Jesus is being, he starts to address the Pharisees. They're asking a question, right? When will the kingdom of God come? When will it come? You see, the, the, the Jews and the Pharisees were waiting for a Messiah. They were looking for this Messiah that would come, and their expectancy was that he was going to come in might and in power, and he was going to just overthrow this Roman occupation, the people were oppressed. They were waiting for this, this magnificent king who was just going to come and deal with it. But that wasn't how Jesus came. Jesus didn't live up to their expectations. So what was his plan? What was Jesus up to? Well, Jesus wasn't coming to restore the dynasty of David in the natural or the riches of the kingdom of Solomon. The kingdom was not going to come in a normal or natural way like other kingdoms on earth. So what was he doing? Well, Jesus came to establish his rule and reign and the authority of heaven here on earth. Why? So that God could bring his kingdom here on earth in and through our lives. This is the work of Jesus and this is how he was going to bring his kingdom. 
In Matthew 24, 14, it says that the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So what is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, the gospel of the kingdom is the message of Jesus. Colossians 1.13 is a great example of this. It just explains it so well. It says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the message that must spread across the world. That Jesus saved us from sin. He saved us from darkness and he gives us access to an eternal kingdom. He gives us access to an eternal kingdom. And you know, you cannot have a kingdom without a king. You cannot have a kingdom without a king. And we can't know the kingdom without first knowing the king. So therefore, for us, when I look at this passage, the first thing that is a foundational truth for us when we think about the King Jesus and his kingdom coming, the first thing is that the kingdom starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. So in Luke 17, when will the kingdom come? Well, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look here, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The ESV says, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The New Living Translation says, the kingdom of God is already among you. In the King James or the New King James, it says the kingdom of God is within you. So the adverb translates for within is entos. It means inside, within, within the limits of, or among you, and in your midst. So he says, behold, the king is in your midst. So behold means to stand in awe and be amazed. It's not Behold, the king is in your midst. It's behold, the king, the mighty, powerful, almighty, star-breathing God. Behold, the king is in your midst. It's not subtle. The Pharisees needed to hear this. That the kingdom of God was right there with Jesus. God was doing something significant on the earth in sending his son, Jesus. You see, Jesus is not an optional extra in our spiritual journey. Jesus is the foundation and the center of it all. And this is what the Pharisees were missing. Colossians 1.15 says this, in the Passion Translation, it says that he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realms and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He exists before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. It is all about the king. It is all about Jesus. Our entire existence is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And when we come to this revelation of who the king is, this is where a desire and a passion burns in our heart to just be with him, to stay with him. Over the last two years, I've had so many different conversations with people on such a broad spectrum of perspective. But what I can see is, say is that in this last season, if you have struggled with your identity, if you have struggled with your value or your purpose in life, I want to bring you back to this, that if you want the completion for your existence, it's going to be found in the person of Jesus Christ and in his kingdom. It's going to be found in him. Nothing else will satisfy. I feel like over the last few years, so much of us, or so many of us, have probably found that the things that we've found purpose and identity in have kind of just been swept out from under us. And like, things just don't seem to make sense like they used to before. And that's okay. There should be a stirring in our heart for meaning, for value, for purpose. But we must settle back on this piece that it's all about Jesus and that we find our completion in him. And this is why he's saying this to the Pharisees because they did not accept Jesus as the king or as the Messiah. But the moment we do that, God can do something significant in us because when we choose him as king and as Lord and as savior, then his kingdom gets to come inside us. And as it comes inside us, it changes us. And then it comes and it works through us. And God wants to bring his kingdom through us. Amen? I want that in my life. So he says this to the Pharisees, and then he turns to the disciples in this passage, and he keeps teaching. And he says to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Speaking of this longing to see that, you know, that the return of Jesus and the fullness of his kingdom, he says, you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus is preparing the disciples here. He's preparing them for what's to come. Now, the disciples would have been quite confused because they recognize Jesus as the Messiah. So like, perfect. The king is here. He maybe didn't come the way we expected, but we recognize that this is Jesus. So now that you're here, Jesus, just bring the kingdom. Like, just deal with the mess. Like, just, just let's get on with bringing the kingdom. We want to see it. How many of you would just like to see Jesus do that in your life? Like, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just get on with it. Sometimes Jesus' ways aren't ours. And there's something significant that needed to happen, and he's preparing them for this, because Jesus had to go to the cross to include the disciples and you and I in this kingdom. In order for the kingdom of God to come and for us to participate, someone needed to bridge the gap. Sin separated us from, eternal, from the eternal kingdom with Jesus. Jesus needed to go to the cross. He needed to pay the price. This is the next important thing that I see in this passage that is that Jesus went to the cross to include us in this kingdom. He said, before the kingdom can come, before I return, I have to suffer. I have to go to the cross. He had to do that for you and I. Have you ever boarded a plane without a ticket? 
Okay, better. Have you ever tried to board, you know, get on a plane without a ticket? I don't recommend it. It's probably not a good idea. But they're not going to let you on, are they? You see, someone had to pay for that ticket that gave you access to get on that plane. It's the same with the kingdom. Jesus had to go to the cross to pay for our ticket. He had to pay for the sin that didn't give us access. And our ticket is Jesus. He went to the cross for you and I, and he had to do that. So in order for the kingdom to come in the fullness of what was promised that the scriptures point to, Jesus had to go to the cross. But because he went to the cross, we are included in this kingdom. Amen? And until his return, Jesus commissions you and I to receive the kingdom and let the kingdom work out in our lives and then through our lives. If we read through the word from the gospels forward, all, all of what we read is pointing to this commissioning and the eventual return of Jesus. It's the next piece in this passage I want to highlight that, that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back and the fullness of his kingdom will be revealed. I think we need a fresh reminder. I know I need a fresh reminder. It's very easy to think just in this nebulous idea that Jesus is coming back. And maybe you've never heard what I'm talking about, this notion that Jesus is coming back. But may I remind you this morning, maybe you even you've heard of it and, and it's just sort of been put out there. And you've sort of forgot about it. But friends, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And he's teaching us that the kingdom of God is already present in him. That it's working through us as we receive him. But that he will come in the second coming. And the full measure of his glory will be revealed in that time. The kingdom is both present and future. So God came with the kingdom, with Jesus. God is coming with the kingdom through us. And God will come and complete the fullness of the kingdom with Jesus' second return. In Luke 17, 24, it says that as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will it be, so will the Son of Man be in his day. There's another passage in Revelations that says it this way, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, which is the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So what are we reading here? That when Jesus comes, everyone will know. Everyone will know. It won't be a question. Everyone is going to know when he returns. But it's interesting when we read this in Luke, before he comes, people are kind of oblivious to the idea that he's coming. We're not really paying attention. And people are going to be surprised by Jesus' return. It's interesting where you see him reference in this Luke 17 where he talks about the days of Noah and he talks about the days of Lot. And it goes on and it says, well, what are they doing in this time? Well, it says that the people are going on about their life, just as you and I are now. They're eating, they're drinking, they're being married, 
They're giving themselves in marriage. It says that they're buying and they're selling and they're planting and they're building. How many of you ate today? How many of you got married in the last five years? Well, we got to work on that. All right. What else? How many of you bought a house? How many of you sold something? How many of you are building a house? I feel for you right now with everything that's going on in the, in the cost of goods. But things were happening. People were going on about their lives. And it says this, that Jesus will come without warning when he comes. Yes, the Bible tells us in Matthew that we will not know the day nor the hour of his return. But just because we don't know exactly when he's coming doesn't mean he's not coming. Can I say that again? Just because he doesn't know the day or the hour, just because we don't know the day or the hour, doesn't mean that he isn't coming. Jesus is coming back. He said so, John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that there I am, you may be also. Man, this is good news. It might sound like I'm preaching a doom and gloom that, oh, you know, the end times, the end of the world is coming. Friends, it is a celebration the day that Jesus comes and the fullness of his glory comes. And we as believers get to spend eternity with him in heaven. Some of you are hearing this message and you go, okay, Paul, but what about now? What about today? When I read this passage, what about right now? What does this mean for me today? I've just got two things that I think are very helpful applications as I was reading through this and considering this passage. So what about, what about us? What do we do? I think the first thing that I would say is be prepared. The first thing that we must do is be prepared. So what do I mean? Well, when it says that Jesus came as it was in the days of Noah or as it was in the days of Lot, well, God came abruptly in both of these times. And the word tells us that we're to be on alert. It says it in many places that we're to be prepared, we're to be alert, we're to be aware and discerning of the times. So that doesn't mean that we're to not live. It doesn't mean that we're to just sit at home and wait and do nothing. We're to live our lives. God has called us to live our lives. So what does it mean to be prepared? Well, first it means that we should live with an urgency in our hearts. We should live with an expectancy in our hearts for the kingdom to come more today as God wants to work through us and for the eventual return of Jesus and the fullness of his coming. What does it mean to be prepared? Well, it also means don't wait for tomorrow to get right with God. Don't wait. Don't hold on to unforgiveness. Deal with it. Today, it's not worth holding on to. Be prepared. Deal with those things. Deal with your sin. Don't wait. Don't hold on to it. Tomorrow's not a better day to deal with it. Today is a great day to deal with it. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. None. Our life is but a breath. I think sometimes we live with this thought in our brain that we're going to live forever. We're not. Every one of us has a very short life expectancy in the span of eternity. Be prepared. 
Don't wait. Don't wait to get on with what God has called you to. God has a call and a purpose on every one of your lives. If it weren't so, you wouldn't be here. He would have just taken you to heaven. Get on with what he's called you to. Be prepared to be used by God. Andy didn't minister last week on the spiritual gifts just so that we could have more information about the spiritual gifts. He ministered on them so that we would put them into use, put them into practice, so that we would get out and get on with what God has called us to. God wants to know, wants us to know those gifts. And to know them isn't just to know about them. To know is to interact with, to be familiar with, to put to use. Do you guys like gifts? Some of you. All right. Well, my kids really like gifts. Like, you guys and your like for gifts is like down here. When my two-year-old gets a gift, she's like way up here. Even when someone else's kid gets a gift, like last week when we were visiting with friends, she was like this excited. But you know, I love watching kids when they get a gift. When you give that two-year-old a gift, do they just go thank you and put it over here? No. They tear that thing open. Then they look at it, and do they stop there and go, oh, let's just put it over here? No, they want it out of the packaging right now. And they want to start playing with it. And if you don't get it out of that packaging right now, they're very upset about it. If you don't believe me, my daughter's Nicola. She's like two in a bit. She's going to be three coming up here in June. And just give her a gift and tell her she can't open it. It's not going to go well for you. She's very determined. But you see, life is a gift. God has given us a gift with life. And I love how God just doesn't give one gift, then he gives gifts inside the gifts, right? That's the spiritual gifts, the things that make us unique, the ways in which God wants to work through us. To be prepared is to open those gifts too and to put them to use. Don't leave your gifts on a shelf. Let's be prepared. Let's be ready so that when Jesus comes back, hey, we've already unwrapped the gift. We've already unwrapped the gift. We've been living it. We've been experiencing it. We're seeing the kingdom of God coming in our lives. When we live prepared like this, we will value time with Jesus. We will value time in his presence and we will value it above everything else. When we stay close to the authentic, it's going to be easy for us to determine the counterfeit. I've worked in a bank for a long time, and one of the ways that they, they taught tellers how to determine if money was real or counterfeit was they just, they just got them very, very, very familiar with the authentic it, or with the authentic. It was play with it, touch it, smell it, see how it moves in your hand, look at the details, see what this part. And by the time... Somebody put a counterfeit bill in their hand. It was like, this is real, this is real, this is real. Oh, this feels off. This doesn't make sense. The more we spend time with the authentic, the more time we spend in his word, the more time we spend in his presence, we won't be distracted with the unauthentic. We won't be distracted with the things that are counterfeit. What else do I see for us? What's another takeaway? This is the last one for us is that God wants us to rescue others. What else can we do when we read this? Rescue others. Both of these times, the times of Noah and the times of Lot, 
There was a lot of sinful nature stuff going on. Sin was rampant. It was popular. Godlessness was popular in both of these instances, and it really, really didn't end well for them, did it? But if we understand the heart of God, the heart of God is that no one should perish. The heart of God is that everyone would be welcomed into this kingdom and have eternal life with him. God wants us to bring the kingdom to others and to bring others into this kingdom. So I think part of this passage, why he highlights these two pieces, it's because God doesn't want us to just sit on our hands. He doesn't tell us about the coming end of, end of times when talking about, you know, the return of Jesus so that we could go build a bomb shelter in our backyard so that we can become a doomsday prepper and just wait for that to happen. That isn't the purpose. The purpose is that we could get on with the rescue mission of God and go and take this message of the kingdom to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting, and to the desperate. Because God's heart is to see all men come to the knowledge of him. He wants to rescue them from sin. In Luke 17, 33, it shows us that it's also that he doesn't tell us this because it's not about self-preservation, right? He says, well, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. He didn't give us the heads up to just look out for number one, to just look out for ourselves. This isn't the goal. It's interesting that if you look through history, nearly every generation after Christ thought that Jesus was coming back in their time. Nearly everyone. And probably like them, I'm in the same boat where I, I think that Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime. I could be wrong, but I, I believe that. So what do we do with that? Well, I know that God didn't tell me or put an urgency in my heart that, hey, I'm coming back for the sake of me to just sit there and wait. I know that God has put plan and purpose in my life to get on and extend the kingdom. And maybe Jesus does come back in my day. Or maybe it's in yours. Or maybe it's in your children's or your children's children. But I know that my existence needs to be one of extending his kingdom here on, a, on the earth. Because that's what he's called me to. That is the plan and purpose for my life as it is yours. You know, God just doesn't want us to look at Scripture and get so interested in uh, trying to determine or decipher when the end times are. So we become the expert in our eschatology and that we get to just call it out play by play. It's like, yep, there it is. There it is. Yeah, oh, and there it is. You know, honestly, I think that there's been generations of that and we can spend time and focus on that. And there's a lot when we look at Scripture about end times. But the purpose of the message of Jesus' return and the things that we'll go through is so that the urgency of the hour to, sh to, to share the gospel and spread the gospel would burn in our hearts so that we would get on with it. That's why he tells us this. I think it's interesting that... Um, how many of you guys grew up and watched the Left Behind series? A few of you? 
Yeah, and then how many movies can you think of that are about the end of the world and Armageddon and all the things and zombie apocalypse? Guys, the whole earth, whether you're a believer or not, people recognize that there's something coming, that there is a day of judgment coming. Wild, isn't it? We're not to live in fear of that. But God has purpose for us in the here and now. And we need to spend way more time, way more time getting on with what God has called us to and less time trying to figure out all the details. I think if we do that, actually we're going to usher in the kingdom even faster. That's an exciting thought to consider. You know, there's a lot here when you look at the return of Jesus, and I know that this is not exhaustive. And even in this passage, the message gets into some, some really interesting stuff when you go through and you read kind of the end, and it talks about one being left in the field, and it talks about one being left in the bed, and just people being taken to go spend eternity with God. And you go, well, how does this fit in? And there's a lot of talk around this, this notion of rapture and the end times, and, you know, when is this going to happen? When is God going to take Take believers to go and be with him. And, and then you get people that go, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a pre-tribulation guy. That's what I think, you know, and the word talks about hardship and tribulation that we're going to go through. And then you got people in camps over here that, well, I'm, I'm post-tribulation. We're going to have to go through everything that's going to be hard and difficult. But, you know, I love what Mike said, Mike, the lead pastor in our church. He said, you know, I'm probably a pan-tribulationist. You know, it's all going to pan out in the end. Whichever way it happens. And we should pray that we don't have to go through all the hardship, but we should probably prepare that, yeah, we're going to go through some hard times. And most importantly, through it all, remember that God has a plan and a purpose for us today. Today. So we need to prepare. And we need to bring others along with us. Amen? I know that this is a thick message, and I just want to invite you to stand, and I want to pray for you this morning. There's a lot here. I'm sorry I didn't cover everything. I know there's lots of you out there that are going, but you're, we're talking about the return of Jesus. What about X, Y, Z? I understand. I know there's a lot. But for today, God has a plan and a purpose in your life. And Jesus is going to come back. And there's an urgency and an excitement that should burn in our hearts. Let's be prepared. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the reminder. I thank you for the reminder, Lord. God, that you are coming back. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, for each, for each member here, God, for each one, God, you have a call, you have a plan, and you have a purpose on their life. God, I pray that as your word has gone out this morning, Lord, that if they're my words, may they fall to the ground. But Lord, the words, Father, that are from you, God, that are direct from heaven, Lord, may they come and may they take root. Father, I pray, God, that lives would be prepared. God, that we would, that we would make adjustments where necessary, that we would get on with the call that you have on our lives. Lord, I just think about each one represented here, Lord. and God, I thank you for the influence that they have in their spheres. Father, I ask you even now, God, that your kingdom would come in their lives. Come, Holy Spirit, and bring your kingdom. Bring your kingdom in their lives. Manifest your presence in their, in their lives, Lord. God, we're trusting for testimonies of you at work in this season. We're trusting for testimonies of you at work, Jesus. 
Thank you, God, you don't just look for people that have it all together. You just look for people that are willing to say, come and have your way, Jesus. Come and have your way with your people, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we've often, at the end of a service, we have a worship team up. And, you know, I'm actually just going to release you guys now and say that if you have a few moments, get to know the people that you're standing with next to you. We've got some coffee in the back. If you're comfortable, stick around and grab a coffee. Say hello to somebody new. You're going to spend eternity with them. Hey, might as well get to know them now. All right. Love you guys. Bless you. Have a wonderful day.